So as I said a moment ago, we are continuing a series this morning based on the notion that a lot of us spend a lot of time, a lot of energy wishing our life were different, better. And we spend a, a lot of energy crafting a life that we wish for. And again, not that that is bad. There's nothing wrong with wanting to better ourselves to make our lives better. But if we aren't careful, we spend so much time, so much energy yearning for a different life that we don't appreciate, we don't value, we aren't present for the life that we do have already. So we're looking in this series at some of the blessings of our actual lives. The idea for this book, the idea for this series came from a book by Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie, both of whom teach at Duke Divinity School. The book is called The Lives We Actually Have, A Hundred Blessings for Imperfect Days. And last week, we talked about the blessing of the ordinary, the routine, the mundane, dare I say, the boring. Today, we're going to talk about the blessing of being overwhelmed. And next week, which is All Saints Sunday, we're going to talk about the blessing of loss. As we remember those that we have loved and lost, we're going to talk about the blessings that might be available in the midst of our grief. My hope in this series is twofold. One is to help us to figure out and to acknowledge and, and be authentic and aware of where we actually are in our lives. But secondly, to help us understand and to recognize how God is with us in the midst of every day. The every day that we find ourselves in all of the heartbreak and all of the hope in all of the humdrum, that God is with us in all of it. So the text that we're going to be reading this morning uh, is probably familiar to many of you, if not most of you. It's from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, in which Jesus uh, begins this sermon with a series of blessings. We call them the Beatitudes. And one of the problems in reading this text, one that is so familiar is that we, we know it, right? We, we tend to, to know it so well that we move quickly to a point that we don't always hear it, and we miss out on some of the significance, some of the meaning. And what Jesus is saying in this text is so revolutionary. It's so counterculture. It's so out of the ordinary. And we miss some of that because, well, I've already heard that. We've heard it so many times. So this morning... This morning, we're going to read it in a different translation. The Pew Pocket Bibles in front of you are the New Revised Standard Version, but this morning, we're going to read a different translation from the message, which is a paraphrase of the Bible in common contemporary language, in hopes that you might hear this in new ways. And so I invite you to hear this word now from Matthew 5. As Russ mentioned, our scriptures from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you... There is more of God and His rule. You're blessed when you feel lost, what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. 
you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer, even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. So before I begin this morning, I, 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 had a, I was involved in a conversation downstairs before the 1010, before our, our casual service with a young man, uh, and we got into a, I'm not going to say it was a heated debate, but it was lively. And, and one of the things that, and so I, I would love your help in helping me, uh, you know, settle this dispute. And, and we all know, right, that there's two kinds of people in this world, those that love candy corn and those that think it's from the devil. So let me see the hands of those of you who love candy corn. That's pretty good. How many of you think it's disgusting and gross and of the devil? <laughs> Fewer but more passionate, I would notice. Well, thank you. For settling that debate, I will make sure to tell that young man, as I already told him, it's okay. If you don't like it, that just means there's more for me. So if you talk to most people, at least this has been my experience, they will tell you that they spend at least more time than they'd like overwhelmed, overcommitted, and overworked. And a lot of us that find ourselves in that way are doing these things in exactly the lives that we wanted. The things that we wanted to do with our lives are the things that cause us to be overwhelmed, overcommitted, and overworked. And as a result, we find ourselves actually resenting the life that we worked so hard to get. I had someone confide in me recently who was so overwhelmed and overcommitted and overworked. He said, you know, sometimes I quietly resent the people that actually take time to enjoy life. I mentioned Kate Bowler, who was the author of the book that was the impetus for this sermon series. Kate was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer when she was 35 years old. 
She had just started her dream job at Duke Divinity School. She had a two-year-old daughter. And all of a sudden, she finds herself diagnosed with stage four cancer. And one day in the midst of her treatments, when, when the burden of it all was getting so great and just bearing down in front of her, that she briefly, she said, I briefly lost my mind one day when I saw two women just across the way there, sitting in front of a, a beautiful restaurant outside in the patio on a beautiful spring day, eating elaborate salads. And she looked at them, and she yelled at them across the street, who has time for salads? She would say later, I don't know if they heard me, but I could hear in my own voice the question that felt shockingly existential. She was overwhelmed. Many of us, even those not dealing with cancer diagnosis, are still overly stressed by the ongoing blurring of work and life, and it's leading us to exhaustion and burnout. And the truth is, is that this persistently high stress level has mental health experts suggesting that we are now, in the midst of our culture, in the midst of what they are referring to as a stress epidemic. The World Health Organization recently labeled stress as the health epidemic of the 21st century. Stress is one of those good, bad words. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Because, because our culture hates stress, but yet we thrive on stress. Have you ever noticed that when someone says to you, oh, I'm not stressed, I'm doing great, totally relaxed, I'm having a great time, your immediate thought is, what is wrong with that person? <laughs> and if you find yourself in one of those situations when you're totally relaxed, not stressed at all, having a great time, you start to feel a little bit guilty that maybe I should be doing a little bit more, that maybe I'm not working hard enough. You see, the pullback towards stress in our culture is almost gravitational. Maybe you could say it this way, stress is a badge of honor in the hamster wheel life that everyone seems to be living. And we may even think that it's just the cost of doing life in this culture these days. Stress is just a cost of doing life. Or maybe you've convinced yourself that stress is not costing you anything. But stress can do incredible damage to us. The American Psychological Association points out that the impact of stress can include a number of things, including, are you ready for this, headaches and chronic pain, shortness of breath, a lack of sleep, and full-on panic attacks. Stress is also linked to heartburn, nausea, loss of sexual desire, cardiovascular disease, and it can, it, can, it can adversely affect memory function. And there's a bunch of other stuff that I can't remember right now. <laughs> that is just a partial list. One study recently suggested that being chronically stressed out has been found to have the same effect on our physical being as smoking five cigarettes a day. Chronic stress has the same impact on our bodies as smoking five cigarettes a day. Stress, my friends, can kill you, and it sometimes does. And yet, when you talk to people, many of us who live in what Carrie Newhouse calls the stress spiral, and that stress spiral consists of being overwhelmed and overcommitted and overworked. Think about it. Parents, parents I know, feel perpetually behind. 
Just trying to keep up with the forms and the emails from the school is enough to keep us stressed. And retired people now are stressed. I heard someone say not too long ago, you know, I'm busier now than I was when I was working, which stresses me out (laughs) because I'm trying to get to that stage in my life, and now I'm thinking, well, maybe I might as well just work forever. (laughs) High school students, the high school students, the college students, they, they are constantly being rattled by high anxiety and panic attacks. You know, many of, us, many of us think that we're trying to live life, we're trying to thrive in our lives, but the truth is, is that many of us are focused merely on surviving. How many of you have ever said something like this? You know, I just, I just need to make it to my vacation. How many of you have ever said, you know what, if I can just get through, if I can just survive final exams? How many of us have ever said, you know, It's just my goal to get through this busy, stressful season, and then everything will be okay. I hope. Well, here's what I've come to discover in 25 years of ministry. That is, if your busy season has no ending, that's not a season. That's your life. All that being said, it's not just our calendars, is it? It's not just our lives at all. It's not just the things that we can control. It's, it's everything around us, too, that, that we are constantly being bombarded by news and images of everything that's going on in the world. Turn on your news today, and all you get, you're being bombarded with images of the war in Israel and Palestine, horrific images that now you can see. It's not something you read about in the newspaper, but now, now those images come at you on your TV, on your computer, and now, now on that handy little device that you carry in your pocket. There's more bombs, more innocent people being killed, more lives being destroyed, and we see these images and it seems like every time you turn on the news, there's another, another mass shooting like there was this week. There's another earthquake. There's another hurricane. There's another humanitarian crisis. And if, if, and if all that's not enough, there's that little small issue of global warming that's going on in the background that's going to kill us all in 100 years. Politically, we're so divided as a nation. There's so much dysfunction in our leadership. Some of us get to the point where we just realize it's too much. It's too much. And isn't it true that we watch the news because we want to be informed about the world's happenings, but, but let's be honest. And that's a good desire. I believe that it is. But here's the obvious truth, that the news, at least, at least the way it is today in the 24-hour news cycle, 24 hours always on, The news today is not necessarily for informing us. It's not. The news today is for shocking us, for scandalizing us, for tantalizing us, for polarizing us. It's for for pushing us back into our corner and for giving us more ammunition than we can use against the person who thinks differently than we do. Much of what we digest in the news today is aimed not at informing us, but in keeping us glued to our couches aimed at making us supremely comfortable by reflecting back to us what we already believe. But here's what I believe. Here's what I believe to be true, that our bodies, our minds, our spirits, they're not meant 
We aren't created to be able to handle, to absorb, to process, to internalize so much trauma that goes on in the world around us. All that constantly comes at us, it's just too much and it overloads us and it overwhelms us. We weren't meant to absorb and to carry this much, to carry the weight of the world, all that's happening all over the world. There's enough going on in our families, let alone our communities or our country, and now we have to worry about the whole world. It's too much. But church, here's what I want to tell you in case you need my permission. It's okay to say no. It's okay to turn off the news. It's okay to unplug for a while, and you not only have my permission, you have my blessing. You know, sometimes we just get overwhelmed. We just get overwhelmed and we can't move and we, we, we don't even know where to start, but maybe, maybe the good news today is that there is a blessing in the midst of that. Maybe there's a blessing in being overwhelmed. Maybe sometimes being overwhelmed is not necessarily something we need to avoid, but rather to embrace. Did you hear, did you hear what Jesus said a minute ago? You are blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God. You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope because with less of you, there's more of God. Why is there blessing in being overwhelmed? Because it's in those moments when we come face to face with a stark reality that we have reached the end of our rope. We've reached the end of our limitations. And some might even say we've reached the end of ourselves. And in that moment, we realize, or maybe we even remember just how much we need God. In those moments we come to realize, maybe remember how much we depend upon God. That when, when we're one step away from ourselves, we're one step closer to the divine. Maybe there's a blessing in being overwhelmed because with less of you, there is more of God. Do you know the first two steps of recovery and according to AA? To admit that your life has become unmanageable and to accept that you need God, that you need God to step in to help that without God you simply cannot succeed. You see, there's power in getting to the end of yourself. There's a blessing in being overwhelmed. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that we tend to pray differently when we're overwhelmed? Have you ever noticed that? There's a, there's a difference, there's a change in our language with our sense of urgency. You, you know, when, when things are good in my life, when I'm not stressed, when things are good, I pray the sweetest prayers, the cutest prayers, the type of prayers that you see on a, on a coffee mug or a needlepoint, the type of prayers that, the type of prayers that might be at the, at the end of an Instagram post of a, of a sunset with a little emoji at the end. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> but when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm overwhelmed, my prayers change. There's a difference in the language and the urgency. Those, those prayers, those prayers are not worthy to be posted on Instagram. If I were to post those, I would be, I would be afraid that, that you wouldn't show up on Sunday mornings. 
then again, maybe you would. Maybe you would because you'd be able to relate to me better because you would know that I know that you pray those same prayers yourself. We tap into a different language. There's a different sense of urgency when we're overwhelmed. Do you remember Hannah in the Old Testament? The book of 1 Samuel, she's, she's unable to bear a child. The whole world is crashing down around her. She, she's falling apart. She's at the end of her rope. And so, so the text says that, that she got up from where she was and she went to the tabernacle. She went to the house of the Lord and she started to pray. And the text says that she was deeply distressed and she prayed to the Lord and she wept bitterly, so much so that the priests that were there in the tabernacle, they thought she was drunk. They thought that she was off her rocker. She was out of her tree. She says, I'm not, over. I'm not drunk. I'm not drunk. I'm overwhelmed. I'm desperate. I'm at the end of myself. I'm at the end of my rope. And in that moment, the priest recognized the blessing of that moment. And she said, he said, go, go, because God is going to grant your request. Have you ever had those moments when you are in the midst of a struggle? When you're facing a challenge, you've got some hardships, and you feel like the world is crushing down upon you. Maybe it's in your family, maybe it's in your finances, maybe it's in your faith. And it, and it comes to Sunday morning, and you barely make it here. And maybe that was you this morning. But out of desperation, you pull yourself out of bed and you, you come, to, to come to come to surround yourself with people who love you, who care for you, who will love you through whatever it is that you're going through, who, who help you remember how good God is and what it's like to live a life dependent upon the God, grace of God. That, that is the blessing of being overwhelmed. I closed last week with a blessing from a book, the book that I referred to earlier, the collection of 100 blessings for imperfect days. And I want to share another one with you this morning. This one is entitled, A Blessing for This Overwhelming Day. And it goes like this. God, I am trying to juggle too much, but I don't know what else to do or who else will keep everything in the air if it's not for me. Blessed are we who say, Jesus, I'm taking you at your word. I'm coming to you just as I am. I'm burnt out. I'm craving rest. But I'm still tempted to keep going just like I always do, propelled from one task to the next, as if the earth spins because I do. But I know deep down that this is unsustainable. So slow me down, God. Place your hand upon me and steady the racing of my heart. Take this weight from my shoulders and pry these to-dos from my fingers. Deepen my breath and still my mind so that I can remember whose hands really do keep the stars hung in space. Blessed are you, Jesus says. When you are overwhelmed. Blessed are you when you are at the end of your rope, when you've come to the end of yourself, because with less of you, there is more of God. 
So if you don't hear me say anything this morning, hear me when I say this. God will take care of everything that you can't. And God will take care of you too.